back to the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. The Bunnings Trade Expos are back. Register now for free on the Bunnings Trade website. Pleasure to be with you this Sunday morning. Kimberly Downs here alongside Justin Marshall talking you through a massive weekend in rugby. And as with the highs, though, there are always some lows, shall we call them. It's time for the dig. View the rain at, range at Sherlock Lasts Longer. Dot com dot au. Marshy, what would you like to have a dig at this morning? Well, obviously, when you think about what's happened at the weekend, you always look at what can improve the game and what's harming the game. And uh, we've already highlighted it early in the show about the, the new innovation with the technology installed into the mouth guards uh, of, of the, the players to determine whether or not they've been... Um, involved in a heavy collision that then warrants an HIA uh, and I think like with any form of technology that gets introduced into the game and it's been across the board whenever rugby or any sport to a degree tries to innovate uh, there's always teething issues and I think that was very evident on Friday night with two players that were asked to go for HIAs that were quite clearly uh, not suffering from any uh, major head contact so you've got to wonder what the process is now to, to stop uh, these situations from happening, but again, while still trying to protect the players and protect the game. So, you know, there's always going to be some issues around these things when they come in, but ultimately what we bring them in for is to improve the game, not harm it. And I thought at the weekend it certainly did harm the game because quite clearly there could have been a major catastrophe, particularly for the Chiefs, when Anton Leonard Brown got pulled late in the game and you lose experience like that, and if you drop the game because of a, an instance where the technology has let you down, that's not what we want. No, and it's a hard one, isn't it? Because I think, like, we're all in agreement that obviously safety player, uh, player safety rather, is paramount. And yeah. so this is, this is not a disagreement with that, but it's just about the implementation, like you say, of how this technology works and the impact that it is then going to have. And... I actually thought we heard earlier from Clayton McMillan talking about the impact that it has on him from a coaching perspective, because of course it, it changes everything about how, well, it takes decisions out of his hands when it comes to mm. coaching, changes how he might play his bench, changes what happens late in the game. He just, he has no choice about how he wants to go about things. I mean, th these mouth guards aren't going anywhere this season. And so when it comes to having to, adapt with them is, is that just do you think a matter of the coaches are just going to have to throw up their hands and say well there's not much we can do here um to a degree but they do have a voice uh and and we played obviously the scott barrett interview and it's it's made the, the news about his thoughts you could see that he wanted to say more but obviously to a degree he's not able to say more uh which which i totally understand he's got to be very careful uh and again he was saying i'm not against looking after um, our players, and including me, but I am wanting to make sure that it's done in the right way, that we're not harming the game. And when you've got players being confused about uh, decisions that they have no control of, that, that that's where it's concerning that whatever system is in place is not working. Uh, my, my probably biggest, I guess, focal point on the, the whole introduction to this technology is was there something wrong with where we'd got to with HIA? Because I feel like we'd actually got to a really good point where there was good assessments, didn't seem to be too many instances where players weren't getting picked up. More than often they were getting picked up 
sometimes when probably they could have stayed on the field, but the system with the doctors and independent people looking and seeing whether or not there had been a head knock and then deciding it was heavy enough was actually working and we were getting the results we needed. So all of a sudden we've introduced this new technology that's now made it more complicated. I'm wondering why we needed to go there. Now, someone will be able to probably tell me out there, but at the moment I'm just a bit confused as to why the mouth god, te mouth god technology was working when it didn't, again, look like it was broken in the first place, the HIA assessment law. And it does seem like a lot of, I guess, the, the issues that have come with it, like the, the technology itself, I guess, probably works how it's supposed to, but it's judging what that threshold is that is, yeah. that is required to be met for the player to actually be pulled from the field to have an HIA and then I suppose the time it takes to actually carry out the HIA because in a position like we found ourselves on Friday night with Anton Leonard Brown he gets pulled with five minutes to go in the game and you go well that's him for the game that yeah and and, and that becomes an issue as well and and obviously there are processes in place for a reason but you would you would have liked to have thought when they put this in that the threshold measure would have been trialed and tested really really well to make sure they actually had that right. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I feel that where they've they've probably not thought about the science of it is, well, I certainly know from playing the game. Um, I was I always wore a mouth guard uh, right from when I was a youngster and, and never stopped wearing it even when I was playing for the All Blacks. It was always part of my kit that I felt was really important. But I certainly did feel uh, and and know at times I got hit pretty hard by the likes of. The chiropractor and Jerry Collins, uh, and, and and people, you know, that that were very very astute tacklers. That when they hit you, they hit you hard, and they were either hitting you in the chest or even to a degree in the midsection or the hips. And what you straight away do, well, my immediate re reaction was to bite down on my mouth guard because it's impact. It's like bang, you feel it. You bite down because you've had a, had a decent shot, but you haven't been hit anywhere near the head, nowhere near it. But your, my natural reaction was to bite down on my mouth guard because it's like, oh shit, that actually hurt because <laughs> you've been hit with a decent shoulder, but it's but it's yeah. nowhere near the, the neck or the head area, so it's not a head contact. It's just a it's a bite down on the mouth guard of heavy contact. So have they considered that? And is that where it's slightly going wrong? That's a really interesting point, and not one that I'd thought of in terms of your body's reaction to other yeah. hits as well. Everything uh, tenses up. Yeah, uh, we'll leave that there now for the moment. It's 9.07 here on the Bunnings Trade Rugby Run. The Bunnings Trade Expos are back coming to Christchurch and Auckland. And Graham is on the line uh, from Christchurch, I believe. Graham. Hi, Kimberly. Hello, Justin. How are you? Hey, yeah, Graham. Good, good thank, thank you. Mate. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, no, uh, great to talk to you both. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, just, just thinking about that, that whole... Uh, the mouth guard business just uh, really, I just think it's ridiculous, but yeah, it's just gone over the top, but yeah, it's for the right reasons, but the, like a lot of things nowadays, it, the uh, what how they implement it is sort of a bit extreme, but yeah, let's hope that something gets sorted down the track, because it could, it could well, it could have cost, the, I mean, even though I'm a Crusaders fan, it could have cost the Chiefs the game, and uh Clayton McMillan was right to say what he said, as Scott Barrett was. But yeah, on the I just want to talk about the Crusaders Chiefs game. I mean, that was a, that was a hell of an opening match. Um, as much as I was disappointed with the, the Crusaders loss, um, obviously at half time it wasn't so rosy. So they came back very very well, and I think that um, 
from our point of view, Justin, um, just want to get your view. Yeah, I think Scott Barrett and the lads, you know, can look at the fact they came back. They made mistakes in the first half too. I think the Chiefs played very well, but I think we also didn't uh, do ourselves any favours. Um, and they sort of rectified that with a few changes at half time. But it was a yeah, it was a great opening match. And, and all the games, I haven't seen the Hurricanes, but the other games, particularly the Highlanders, minor Pacifica was also a mighty game. So yeah, and I thought it was a great way to start. And I think you know the Crusaders will be in there at the finish. Yeah, absolutely, Graham. I thought the intensity, the physicality, and there was some skill set in that game as well. The tempo was really high, so it was good to see the players. Uh, opening round to be able to produce quality like that, wasn't it? Um, totally agree yep. with your summary of the way the Crusaders played. Um, obviously, when you bring a new coach in, he's going to have his different ideas, but he'll also want to not tweak with something that clearly isn't broken. Uh, and, and personnel uh, changes don't make that easy. So I certainly felt that his Rob Penny's introduction to the players you mentioned in the second half changed the game, changed the flow of the game. The Crusaders were able to tighten it up, play a bit more to their strengths, went a bit more direct. Uh, and to be honest, if I was perfectly honest, and you'll know this, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm a um, stalwart Crusader <laughs> man, uh, but tried to offer an unbiased opinion out there, and, and I felt a little unsure as to where the Crusaders were going to be and how they were going to benchmark up this year, but... Yep. They, they they were very they were much more impressive than I thought they'd be, uh, and they've got some firepower to come back. So, my summary would be a very good performance, and probably a bit unlucky not to not to get the win. Um, I don't know what you thought, but the, the signs oh, are yeah. very encouraging. Oh, absolutely! I had someone else said on Louis' show yesterday our closing out was a bit of a problem last year. It got rectified by the time of the final, of course, but. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that, that's that's a few inexperienced guys, and and just on, you know, talking about the players that have come from outside of the Crusaders before I finish, there was a guy from Matara called Justin Marshall. There's another one you can add to that list. I know you wouldn't put yourself <laughs> there, but drove up the uh, main, uh, you know, the main South Road to, to from Matara <laughs> in 1995. Yeah, so and Scott <laughs> Robertson, the current All Black coach, down from uh, Mount Monganui. I think it's Mount Monganui. Yeah, so uh, yeah, yeah, you'd add yourself those two names to the list there. But yeah, it's always good. But yeah, the the Highlanders I thought looked very good last night too. Even though, and Pacifica looked a much improved team from last year. Yeah. But anyway, guys, yeah, I'll so let you too, carry Graham. on. Hey, thank you. you so much. Yep, good talking to you. Yep. Yeah, thank you so much for taking the time to call in, mate. Appreciate your call uh, as ever. And all of those listening as well. A couple of texts in here uh, to Pete saying HIA wasn't working. Sam Kane sent off in the final for high and excessive contact. The receiving player didn't go for an HIA. Uh, same with the Khaleesi card. So fair point there, Pete, as well. It's it's a, Look, it's a tricky issue, and this is the thing, right? I mean, it's... The player safety is hugely, hugely important, uh, but so is the game that we all know and love. And so it, uh, it's it's a hard balance. Uh, it's a tough balance. I certainly don't have all the answers, but I think, uh, as a few people have pointed out, the way that uh, the mouth guard and the smart mouth guard was implemented, I think, on Friday just left everyone a wee bit confused. And I wonder if that is part of the problem as well, is that perhaps not enough was done ahead of time uh, around making sure people knew that this was going to be 
the situation and not so much the players. I think the players were well aware and the coaches have alluded to that as well. Uh, but maybe from a viewing perspective, that was a wee, a wee bit tougher. Hey, uh, stay with us too because we are about to be joined by one of the Chiefs players from the weekend, bringing up a bit of a milestone actually. Uh, did Chiefs lock Natoa Akoi, as did a few of the other players. Uh, Angus Tarval brought up 50 games for the Blues, as did Caleb Clark, and Natoa brought up 50 games with the Chiefs. I'm hoping he's with us on the line now. Natoa, are you there? Not just yet, perhaps, but that's all right. We will be hearing from him very shortly. In the meantime, another text here as well. Uh, on this mouth guard issue, why didn't they trial them in pre-season games? Uh, there were no points involved, re-win or lose. I'm actually not sure, Marcia. Do you know whether they did trial them in pre-season? I, I kind of just assumed that they would have. Oh, yeah, I'm not exactly sure. Like Usually when you, you bring innovation into the game, uh, it, it, it even starts at training runs. Um, so, you know, they, they tell the players that this is going to be part of the game and this is going to be, it's either a law change or it's a te technology change, whatever it might be in this instance with the mouth guards, because players have got to get used to it. Um, so usually it comes in at training and they start to do their measurements and gauge and get feedback then. So I would suggest that it wasn't a one-off and it happened in the first round, that the players have actually had the time and so have the coaches and everybody to to see the technology, but probably not mm. in a situation like we saw on Friday night. <laughs> yeah. And just picking up on another point that Graham made, which I did mean to, to mention earlier and you had touched on, but I think what I was also really impressed by in that game was that the Crusaders showed, despite the sweeping changes and despite uh, the loss of high-profile pro high personnel uh, in that team, that same level of character and resilience that they are so mm. well known for. Like, they haven't lost an ounce of their fight in terms of the culture of that team and the belief that is within it. Yeah, and, and I think it's very easy to always look at the offence and look at what's done with the ball. But but for me, the gauge of a real Crusader man and a real Crusader team is defence. And and when a team stands up repeatedly on defence, that's when you see the true character of a side. And I thought at the weekend, particularly in that last quarter, where the Chiefs had their uh, moments inside the Crusaders 22, and they had two or three real digs with some pretty powerful ball runners, um, including Naito Akoi and uh, Taukiaho and co, who were throwing their big bodies at, at the, the Crusaders' defence. The Crusaders stood tall and stood resilient. And in the end, um, they were reduced to having to kick points um, from penalties rather than being able to score tries. So that, to me, Kimberly, is, is where, you, where you really do judge what sort of a culture the, the Crusaders have and whether the team is unified. And I saw that in abundance at the weekend. Not anything to do with the fight back and the fact they got tries, but how they stood up when they needed to on defence and kept the opposition out. Um, yeah, they still lost, but lots to be encouraged by. Yeah, yeah, which will not be something anyone outside of the Canterbury region will be wanting to hear, of course, but that is the <laughs> way it is. I mean, they are seven-time champions in a row for a reason, mm. and that is uh, just the straight fact of it, and, and the players is, as much as anyone. And a couple of players that did impress me too, uh, Marshy, were, of course, George Bauer and Severu Reese coming back from those injuries. It, it must have been quite heartening. I mean, I 
injuries, awful, awful things whenever a player goes out with it, part of the game, but you do have to feel for them. And just great to see them coming back into that environment and thriving. Oh, it certainly is. And you need excitement machines like Seve Reese back in the game. And um, to have him back is um, significant and would have pleased not only the Crusaders, but equally uh, the All Black coaches and selectors to see him back and fit and healthy. And equally, I thought George Bauer's shift was simply outstanding. You know, like I thought at the end of the day, if we weren't picking backs, which we both did as our players of the round, Kimberly, we could have very, very easily gone for George Bauer, <laughs> who I thought... Had, a, had an amazing comeback. And equally, he also shifted to the other side of the scrum. How good was that? So, mm. you know, to be able to, to, yeah. to prop on both sides of the scrum, get through the work rate, he got turnovers, he carried hard. Yeah, that, very, very pleasing for all of New Zealand rugby to see George Bauer and play back and play that well.